You're listening to the Being Stellar Podcast, the podcast for modern leaders and entrepreneurs who are tired of hustle culture and ready to invite more ease and more prosperity into their lives. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth, master teacher and coach, and I am obsessed with helping you avoid burnout while you create a sustainable lifestyle full of possibility and profit on your terms. On the show, you'll hear inspiring stories of possibility, and you'll get empowering strategies and insights from me to support you in creating your stellar life. Hello, stellar friends, and welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to do a reality check. Let's jump right in. Today, we are going to do a reality check. Actually, that's not entirely accurate. What we're going to do is we're going to check in on what we mean when we ask the question, how realistic is that? Have you ever asked the question or maybe been asked the question when you've expressed a desire, a dream, or even an out-of-the-box idea? Um, Has anyone ever said to you, or maybe you've said it to yourself, how realistic is that? The other day I was on a call with the client and she had just shared with me her dream, a dream that she had never expressed to anyone before. And she was glowing with possibility and probably some relief at having spoken it out loud and finding out that the bottom didn't drop out and that she didn't get struck by lightning for having this desire and for speaking it out loud. And she was just, just glowing with the the possibility and the hope of it all. And then in a split second, she took that all away from herself by asking the question, but how realistic is that? And honestly, I see this happen so often. It's happened to me. I've done it to myself. I've had family members or colleagues or friends do the same thing. And I've done it to other people. I know I have. I think back when I was a teacher and I was the supervising teacher for the student council and we had a wonderful uh, president who was full of all kinds of creative ideas that were wildly unrealistic. Um, in terms of the time frame it would take, in terms of resources and budget and all of those things, but she had great ideas. And if I had known then what I know now, I would have engaged with her ideas quite differently. Whereas I know there's times when I probably said to her, that's not very realistic. And if you're listening, I'm sorry. Fortunately, she had a great strong spirit and she went on to continue to be wildly artistic and it didn't bother her. I didn't, I didn't damage her in any way uh, that I know of because she's doing quite well. But I think about that now and I think about it often, that idea of like how realistic is that? And, and, and I see when people ask themselves that, how they shut themselves down as this client did. And so it got me really thinking about, wow, how often we do that. And I wanted to do today's episode talking about reality and talking about our ideas about reality and how we so often police ourselves with this reality question. How realistic is that when we come up with an idea that's outside of our current experience of reality? So this client had an idea of what she wanted to do with her life that was outside of her current reality. So it didn't seem realistic to her. And yet 
when I pushed back and I asked her to go do a reality check on how possible that thing would be for her without putting the limitations on, she actually discovered there was a lot more available for her than she realized. And there's the thing. I'm a fan of answering those kind of questions, you know, those rhetorical questions that people put out there and then we just kind of drop them um, and they're intended to be more of a statement like, well, how realistic is that? In other words, I'm not asking you to answer that question. I just want to point out that it's not realistic. Really, that's what people are saying often when they say the question, how realistic is that? It's a rhetorical question. You know, those ones that people say, but they don't really want an answer because they're implying the answer in their statement and in their tone. And often, how realistic is that is used in that way, that it's not about engaging in actual conversation. And I love guiding my clients into that place of like, okay, let's answer that question. Let's find out how realistic is it? You have this big dream to change careers and start something really different than what you're currently doing. Let's find out how realistic is it? She went straight to the place of, I need to get a certification to do that. And I said, "Mm -mm, no, that may come later. You may do a certification and let's start with what's possible right now without a certification. And maybe it'll be helpful to give you, if I give you some more specific context. She was working in a tech startup in a leadership role. She had this vision to create a renovation project management business where she could bring in her natural design talents and her leadership talents together and her experience, by the way, she's done a lot of that in her own home. She could bring that all together to support other people. And in fact, she had already been doing some of that with family and friends that she was just volunteering to, to help them out. And so when I told her that she wasn't allowed to look at certifications in order to do that job or to create that business, it opened up a lot of opportunities for her to look at what else is possible. What could she do that would put her in that space to be creative in that way? So back to the reality check though. What was really key for my client when I created this assignment for her to go and do a reality check, she needed to look at who in her life was reality policing her. Um, She was doing it to herself. She knew that. And she also realized that her husband unwittingly and well-meaningly was reality policing her too, because he had fears about her going rogue and quitting her job and making it hard for them to pay their mortgage. And so we realized that she was going to have to create an agreement with him about giving her space to explore this and letting him know that she wasn't going to up and quit her job until she had something solid to, to go to if she decided that's what she wanted to do. And in the conversation with him where she let him know that when he asked questions like, how realistic is that? It didn't actually help her because she was already asking that question and it actually kind of shut her down. So she requested that he don't ask things like that, that he just give her a little bit of time to explore it and that she was giving him her word, making an agreement with him that she wouldn't do anything drastic without having a conversation with him. Well, she wouldn't do anything drastic, period, but any changes were going to, there was going to be a conversation. And that reassured him enough that he stopped reality policing her for long enough to actually come up with some really great ideas that supported her in her assignment that I gave her to explore how realistic is that. He had some ideas about 
places that she could actually work and jobs that existed in that space that I didn't know about, that she didn't know about, that he hadn't thought about when he was just in the how realistic is that mode. When he calmed his fears about that, when she was able to calm his fears and have that conversation, it opened up even for him. He saw things he didn't see before that were now suddenly much more realistic. It was really, really cool. And I wanted to share this with you because I think so many of us do that to ourselves and to others. We reality police them. I remember when I was 15 years old and my mom was always asking me, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to be? What are you going to do? What are you going to be? Like I had to make a decision about what was going to happen after high school. And I didn't know. What I did know is that I enjoyed language a lot. I love words and I loved English class. And I thought, well, what do you do with that except for be a writer? And so I said, well, I don't know. I kind of like writing. And she didn't exactly use the words how realistic is that? But she used a close proximity when she said, how can you make a living at that? And that shut me down. For me, for many, many years, anything to do with words and language was not an option because you couldn't make a living at that. And now my mom is, was well-meaning. I, I, don't, I don't blame her for that. That's how my brain uh, interpreted what she said. And it shut down the possibility of anything coming out of my love of language. When I began later to open up to possibilities, and now I'm writing a book now, all these many, many years later when I'm very far away from being 15. I used to think I was going to write a romance novel and I just wasn't inspired to do that. I'm realizing that my purpose in life was actually to write something more along the personal growth lines, which I will talk more about that later. It's hugely ironic that I'm writing a book on personal development, but it's coming soon. Spoiler alert. Anyway, so uh, for a long time, I thought I would write some other kind of novel. And I realized I don't really want to. And I eventually found different ways of playing with language. I became an English teacher. I got to study stories and I got to do the thing that I loved. I was working with language. I was helping students to become better communicators, more effective writers, more effective critical thinkers. And uh, it was wonderful and I loved it. And so, and even now in my coaching practice, so much of what I do is about the words we use and the words we use with ourselves, on ourselves, and the words we use with others, because those words we use with others either build or burn bridges. And so that's a big, big part of what I do now. And yet, I was shut down for a really long time around there being any possibility around me doing something with my love of words and language because of that one question my mom asked that I was 15 years old. I don't know. I didn't have an answer for it. So I shut myself down. Okay. And my client was doing the same. And so I pushed her to do some exploration. And as I said, her husband got on board and it was really, really, really beautiful the uh, results of that and how many ideas she came up with. It was very fascinating too, because at first she thought she was going to have to start her own business. And in doing her research, so many opportunities that didn't require her to start her business um, became clear to her that she could do um, without having to take the risk of starting her own business. 
and and there is a risk involved and some people aren't that's not their their personality um they're maybe not the time in life where they want to take that on and so she was really really excited about the uh those opportunities to um, explore and so much came came available now here's the thing is that when you insist on being realistic you're only insisting you're sorry you're not only insisting on seeing things as they are you are insisting that things are as they are that nothing can ever change and you can only see what you currently have and more destructively what you currently don't have and if you think that now is the only gauge of reality and that i don't have this now i don't have money i don't have a home i don't have a boyfriend or a husband i don't have a job, whatever it is, if you think I don't have it, then, and you insist that the don't, the not having it is your reality, how are you ever going to have it? So we have to be able to move beyond that insisting that something's realistic in order to allow it into our lives. Because you can't create something you are not willing to imagine because you're telling yourself it's unrealistic. Let me say that again. It's a truth bomb. You can't create something that you are not willing to imagine because you're too busy telling yourself it's not realistic. Of course it's not realistic. You haven't created it yet. And a lot of people are going to want you to be realistic and it's okay. I'm, it's okay to be reality based. We have to start somewhere. I'm not, I'm not advocating magical thinking. I'm ad advocating possibility thinking and looking beyond the current reality, naming it as it is, but also looking what is possible beyond this. Cause the catch about things being realistic is that we don't actually live in reality. We live in an interpretation of reality, our interpretation, which is colored by our experience. It's colored by the views of other people who are close to us. And when we are aware of that, that we are living in this reality that's, um, Noam Chomsky talks about this, that we, and many others too, that we have, we don't live in a reality. What we have is a deletion, distortion, and generalization of information and experiences that creates our perceptions and our interpretations of the version of reality that we are currently experiencing. And my version of reality is different than your version of reality. And this is why we get into these big global conflicts over religion and politics, et cetera. But it's also why we get into conflicts, conflicts a little bit closer to home as well, because we have different versions of reality. Have you ever had an argument with a, a partner or a parent or a child about, or even a friend about how you perceive something happened? I mean, think about it when you've ever read those reports in psychology classes that talks about how eyewitness accounts of the same event can be so radically different because they're colored by our own experiences and that we each create a perception of what happened. So this is so important to keep in mind when you ask yourself, how realistic is that? Because, you know, it's not, we're making it up. And, you know, I, I love it. There's a long list of inventions that, that we can look to that didn't seem realistic when they were first imagined. Here's one I'm holding up for those of you who are listening to this and not watching it. I am holding up my iPhone 
And for those of you who are watching, you'll see this super cute picture of my grandson right on the front of it. Isn't he adorable? And you know, my iPhone is an example, your iPhone, the 7.26 billion other people on the planet who have iPhones at this moment, that's 91% of the population, over 91% actually, have it. So that makes it pretty realistic. But the very first time that we know we can record the imagining of it was actually in Star Trek, in the 1966 show Star Trek, invented by Gene Roddenberry. I always say his name wrong, Roddenberry. I'm a Trekkie, so you think I should know that better, but I don't. I'm terrible at pronouncing last names. So the inventions like the cell phone, there was the communicator, the handheld communication device in the Star Trek uh, early shows. And that wasn't realistic at the time, but somebody imagined it. And so someone else was able to create it. In addition to the handheld communication device that we first saw in Star Trek in the 1960s, that is now our reality, there are so many other inventions that were first imagined in literature that have now become realistic. And I love to remind people of this because when we ask that question, how realistic is that? Let's remember this. The submarine was first imagined in Jules Verne's uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. The helicopter was also imagined in a Verne book called Clipper of the Clouds. And the rocket was imagined in H.G. Wells' War of the World. Some of you might have heard that radio show. It caused a, and there was a whole story about how, how people tuned in and thought the world was actually being invaded by aliens because... They didn't realize it was a radio show. Um, atomic power was also first imagined in literature by H.G. Wells before it became a reality. There's, and there, it goes on and on. There, the electronic arm was also imagined in a book by uh, an author, Heinlein, and he created the electronic arm. The taser was created by somebody who was a fan of a book, a series of books by a guy named, about a guy named Tom Swift, and he had all kinds of cool gadgets, and one of them was the uh, Thomas A. Swift's electric rifle, which is what the taser is named after, after is the T for Thomas, A for A Swift electric rifle. Um, QuickTime. QuickTime was invented by the Apple scientist Steve Perlman in response to, he got inspired by that watching a Star Trek Next Generation episode when there, there was characters who were listening to multiple tracks of music and video and everything all at the same time on their computer. A lot of different things that we can look to that at one point did not seem realistic. And I love this quote by uh, Sigorsky. He says, the point of sharing all these inventions with you is to remind you that if we were to wait for something to be realistic before we did it, there would never be any innovation. The possibility is in the play and in the creation of a new reality. Igor Sigorsky, he's a Russian-American aviation pioneer and inventor of the helicopter, among other aircraft, said that anything one man can imagine, another can make real. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to paraphrase it because I think it needs to be updated. Anything that one person can imagine, another can make real. So here's a question for you. Why can't you be the one who imagines it and makes it real. Just like my client 
who is beginning to realize that she can imagine this alternate future and she's beginning to make it real. Why can't you do that too? Since we create our own reality, there is power and possibility in answering the question, how realistic is that? In my coaching practice, I see this problem arises from the fact that most people ask that question and don't take the time to answer it. So if you're willing to look at that thing, that project, that endeavor, that challenge in your life that you're thinking, how realistic is that? Could I really do that? If you're willing to look at it and really go beyond just the asking of the question, but also answering it for yourself, you're probably going to be surprised at what you discover about how realistic it actually could be if you decide to be the person to make it real. When I began my coaching practice, it didn't seem very realistic to the people in my life who didn't understand what the heck I was doing. My sister said to me, well, you should probably keep your real estate license just, license just in case. Again, it was like a, she had no idea what I was going to do. At least she understood real estate. People can make a living at that because everybody knows about it. But she didn't know about coaching. My husband and my daughter thought I was losing my mind and that I was going to want to be a YouTube influencer. And that's what I was doing. And, and they didn't understand that I was creating something. And, and it took me a while to discover what it was that I was being pulled towards. I wasn't articulating it very well. So of course they were a little bit concerned because I did start a blog and started a vlog and I just needed to express what I'd been learning. And I'm a teacher. And when I learn something really cool, I need to share it. And this is why I do the podcast because in my coaching practice, I have this beautiful opportunity to get insights from not only my own life, and my own experience being coached, but also in my coaching with my clients, I can get insights that I can then share with you so that you can benefit and be inspired and take those insights and lean more into the creation of your stellar reality. So if you're willing to answer that weighty question, you are going to find a very, very different answer than if you leave it hanging unanswered as though it was a statement that that thing you want to do or create isn't realistic. Sometimes you'll discover that the obstacles you're throwing up are illusions. Sometimes you're going to discover that the constraints are real and you'll need to develop strategies to overcome them. And sometimes, far less often than you'd think, the constraints are real and can't be overcome. But the important thing is that you take the time to answer that question and you will be amazed at what happens. And I get it. Sometimes it's hard. You're so used to reality policing yourself or you're so used to having other people do it for you that you're in that place where you can't get past it. That's what us coaches do is we help people to see possibility. I have possibility generating conversations all day long with my clients and if that's something that would be helpful for you, reach out to me or to another coach, somebody who resonates with you. You don't have to do this reality check alone. 
find somebody you can talk it through with who's going to support you in exploring the possible, not what is currently true and real. Okay. So, and if you do that, and if you're ready, ready to step into that possibility and this episode inspired you to do that, will you let me know? And if there's somebody in your life who needs to have a little bit of encouragement to think beyond reality and reality checking into possibility, pass this episode on to them. So there's a five-step exercise I'm going to share with you to help you be the creator of your own reality. Step one, think about whatever dream or goal you want to achieve. Take a blank sheet of paper and write the goal or dream at the top of the page. Got it? Step two, imagine the worst case scenario. And I asked this of a client once and I said, what's the worst case scenario? And she said, under the bridge with a bottle of wine. I said, well, at least you have a bottle of wine. But then I asked her to talk about what is the realistic worst case scenario? And the realistic worst case scenario was she was going to have to get another job and maybe pay back some of the money that she borrowed to start her business. And that may not be comfortable, but it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the end of the world. And so it actually inspired her to try harder to make sure her business succeeded. So step one, think about what your dream is right on the top of the page. Step two, imagine the worst case scenario and then find out how realistic that is. Step three, make a list of limitations and constraints that are holding you back from taking action on that thing. And once you've made a list of all the things, it could be, you know, my husband doesn't want me to, we don't have enough money, we, I don't have the education, I don't have the degree, I don't have the time, I'm not smart enough, I'm not young enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not anything enough, right? Make a list of everything that you see as a constraint. Then go through that list and fact check the limitations and constraints. You may find some are real. You may find some are not. Uh, you probably, you will, I guarantee you will find that many are not, and then you can find a way around them. And so with each one, ask yourself, so if it's money, if money were not a constraint, so let's say money's your constraint, if money were not a constraint, what would I do? And you may find ideas come up that you hadn't thought of before. So we want to remove each constraint and see what comes up, what you allow yourself for. Because if you're in the, this can't be real mindset, then because of this constraint, then you're not going to see possibility. So each one, remove the constraint and then ask yourself what you would do if that wasn't a constraint. Now it could be that it continues to be a constraint. You'll find that out by doing this exercise first. And then step five, once you have fact checked the limitations and constraints by removing each one and asking yourself what you would do if it weren't a constraint, then, and I would recommend you write this down, okay? Then you'll see all of the possibilities that you may not have seen before. That's only part of the work. And then the next step, once you've done that, is to actually get outside of yourself get outside in the world and start asking other people what's possible, start interviewing, researching. And I always say the last thing you're going to research is what you need, the certification you might need, because you may find you don't need it. Because here's the thing about certifications. They're just something that somebody else made up. And so you can make it up. They weren't, those certifications weren't reality at some point. And somebody else has made them up to validate you because we all know that everybody's looking for validations from other people. 
So they're clever that they made up those certifications. It doesn't mean they are required. Okay. So now there's certain things, obviously you can't be a brain surgeon without doing the schooling and getting the certification. Uh, but there are a lot of jobs and business opportunities in the world today that you don't need the certification for. I had a client a couple of years ago who wanted to be, wanted to have her own online digital marketing company. And she did that work for another organization, yet she felt she had to go get certified in order to create her own business. And we did some coaching around that. Ultimately, she still continued to go through the certification because she realized it wasn't about the ver validation anymore. It was actually some skills she wanted to learn. So that's different. If you're doing the certification because there's some actual skills like brain surgery or uh, marketing that you need in order to really be able to do this job or business well, that's different than just doing somebody's online certification to get validation. I see that too often. I've had friends and clients do that where they go off and they spend all this time and money on a certification and then they research the possibilities of a career or a business in that field. Let's do it the other way around because you might find that that certification doesn't serve you and that you don't even want to do it. Okay. So that's it for today. There's your reality check. Until next time, keep being stellar.